Thanks so much, Tessa and Alex, for joining me today. Very excited to chat because I think what you two have built and what you're, what you're up to and building in Kia Labs is super, super interesting. Done some interviews with some, with some innovators within the sort of fashion fabric sort of space. How do we use technology and use everything we know about the environment and kind of innovate in a space that quite really quite hasn't been tapped yet? And, you know, looking at the ocean for, for some of these fabrics is incredibly interesting. I always look at it as the underworld space. Like we, we always look up as space, but down is like this world that we still kind of don't know much about. So before we kind of get into Tequila Labs and what is it, like, I guess, talk about the the journey up till then. What was sort of the catalyst uh, for starting Kiel Labs? I love what you said about the ocean. I agree. I think there's so much to freaking learn about and so much yeah. to explore within it. Yeah, it is like the underworld. Um, so what got us started with Kiel Labs? Um, I think both of us had very similar experiences. We were both in school, um, learning about design, learning about the technicalities of design, about the industry. And uh, experiencing some challenges within the programs there. And then also we were exposed to the industry. We were having opportunities to intern under different brands and companies and experienced another set of challenges there. Um, and something that really stood out to me personally during that time was was all these sustainability climate targets that companies were setting out for 2020. Right. Uh, to accomplish. Yet, I was like, how are they ever going to reach these targets when they don't have the raw materials they need in order to make more sustainable products, specifically totally. on the design side? Um, and it just seemed like an, a white space. And it was like, okay, well, if we can't, we don't have access to these materials, I guess we have to make them ourselves. Tessa, do you want to jump in and kind of collaborate off yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, of course, second all of that. And I think that one of the really unique things about our foundation is the fact that, you know, we have this background in design. And as we were kind of looking at all of these problems, looking at the challenges that face our planet and the industry as a whole, initially when we came together, um, it was really about the analysis, and, and at least for me, from, from a bit of a selfish perspective. So if I'm going to have to work as a, as a designer and acknowledging the role that that plays in this kind of convoluted global landscape, what would I need to do that with confidence? And how would I do that within my team, within my industry? And one of the things that I think we we're seeing, especially at the time, really inspired by was all of these new companies that were coming up and- yeah proposing new ideas and showcasing new materials for the the textile and apparel landscape. However, as as we're kind of doing this longer analysis, really seeing that you know, a lot of these things tend to come out of labs and then figuring out, okay, how do we take this innovation and put that into a product and put that into mm -hmm. the industry versus where where we kind of wanted to look was what do we need to occur? What are the parameters that need to be maintained in order for change to really happen, not in 30 or 50 years, but in a year or in two years or as fast as possible? And so yeah. I think that it was a really fun experience even just to start with to say, if we keep all of these boxes the same, what is the smallest amount of change that will create the largest amount of impact? And we didn't go into it necessarily looking at the ocean and saying, okay, let's look at the ocean and see what we yeah. can do with it, it was, let's look at the industry, see what needs to make, stay the same, and what are the problems that we have today, and 
what is different. The ocean is a brilliant place. It just so happened that it was the only logical thing that made sense <laughs> for the goals that we had. That was what my next question was going to be is like, how did y'all decide on the the ocean, right? Because I think, like you said, we've seen that there's a lot of brands in the textile space looking at on land, let's just say plant-based materials or, you know, recycled or biodegradable. Like there's all these different things that are coming. Mycelium is super interesting, but what made you look at the ocean as even an idea or even something that was possible? Was it like a, like a, did a video pop up? Like, was it something you read? Like what? I would never even think of looking, right? Like seaweed fabric is just not something that is top of mind. I don't think. (laughs) I think it was a few different angles. Like we knew, as Tess said, we knew what we wanted to accomplish. We weren't trying to reinvent the whole industry. We wanted to work within some of the challenges we were seeing from other companies was they were developing a, a product and then they were also developing a new system around it. And we wanted hmm. to specifically just develop the product and work with the systems that were already in place. And as we were looking at what raw materials we could work with, we were learning, we were just absorbing information at this time. We were learning about like the impacts that certain materials have today um, and how most of them are land-based. And we were also looking at what raw materials are like at scale right now and that we can access. Um, And so those two factors eventually led us to exploring a number of different raw materials and seaweed ended up being the one that helped us achieve what we were after. Why, Why seaweed? I'm happy to jump in here and this could be a whole 10 hour conversation if you really wanted it to be. But, you know, I, and I think thinking about, you know, what the landscape is and as Alex was saying, what, what scale looks like, when we looked at the problems within the industry, you know, you're really looking at two primary sectors. You have synthetics, which are usually polyesters, and you have mm-hmm. naturals, which are really primarily cottons. Both of those things have a plethora of diverse but negatively impactful use cases or processes yeah. that are required. And so when we are thinking about, okay, if we don't want to use tons and tons of water, literally, for a kilogram yeah. of, of yeah. material, if we don't want to have microplastics, if we don't want to degrade our land, what doesn't do that? Well, seaweed doesn't. It doesn't require water. It doesn't require fertilizers. It doesn't require uh, pesticides. There is no runoff. It does clean the ocean. There are all of these beneficial properties that it has. And for us, it it was like a lightning. What is it? Not a lightning bolt. A light bulb. There we go. A light bulb. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was like uh, a light bulb in terms of there's this beautiful organism that negates the entirety of the negative impacts that we're seeing within the industry and the materials that we have. Why would we not use that? Was there anything to go to to look at to know that, I guess, CB was capable of, I guess, being a textile, right? Or being a fabric and like how how would you even know that seaweed was able, I guess, to be sort of a, a textile? I'll use the word textile just because there's not another word quite yet for us to describe it, I guess. But like, it's fine. You're right. There's a, there's a lot. Stuff. There's a lot of stuff in the ocean, though, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's all kind of living organisms in the ocean. What was it about seaweed that you even discovered that it had maybe this ability to kind of transform itself into into fabric? Yeah, this is where we had to like take off our designer hats and put on our. <laughs> yeah. That's um, <laughs> so first of all, we were looking for stuff at scale, like what what is okay. something that we can, you know, buy off of a large, well-known marketplace super easily. And it's not like a specialty product that's super expensive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have to go through, you know, 
crazy loopholes to try to get it. And I think our, our overarching uh, mission as a company is around simplicity and around focus. And mm-hmm. although there's a, so many amazing and incredible innovations in science, in biotechnology, in synthetic biology that are creating incredible new technologies that are also necessary, what our or what we see our jobs as is let's change the system quickly easily, cheaply. And so seaweeds and various polymers that are extracted, as Alex was saying, at scale around the world, there's existing research, there's existing test studies, there's plenty of use cases in similar and adjacent areas. And so for us, we're like, great, there's already this foundational system. We're not reinventing the wheel. There's small tweaks and modifications that need to happen in order for that to function within the textile supply chain. But overarchingly, like this is not the invent, uh, the discovery of gravity, you know, we're not sure, sure. needing yeah. to really, um, you know, yeah. shake everything up there when really our goal is how do we create impact and let's do that quickly and easily. Uh, and so luckily we were able to tap into both that market and that existing research and so many experts in the area that, that have been able to help and, and guide the evolution of the product itself. And when you buy and again, my ignorance on this is see is seaweed like regenerative as far as like when it's extracted from the ocean, does it just does it keep keep just growing back? Does it just grow right? Because that's part of this, which is amazing, is that Absolutely. you, you we still have to do for everything we do, we have to extract in some way. But yeah. if we can extract, which then grows back naturally without causing the bio, you know, causing a degradation of the biodiversity where you're taking it from, then that's that is sort of a game changer, right? Because like you said, cotton and sort of all these traditional ways that we have to extract, extract, and then there's putting back. Oh, there's not regenerative. Alex mentioned like the marketplaces and stuff like that. Is that because of seaweed market? Like what is seaweed used for now? Like I know there's like food and stuff, right? But like where is it like where are these marketplaces? Like what what does seaweed serve right now where there's an abundance of it that is sort of easily accessible to kind of do what Kiel wants to do and sort of test and kind of iterate. Yeah. So I wanna highlight something you were saying about the regenerative side of seaweed. Um and so there are so many different harvesting methods for seaweed and ones mm-hmm. that are continuing to be explored. Um, It really depends on the way that the crop is harvested, which affects like if it could regenerate, right? Like think of if we're we're talking about cotton, if you pull it up from the roots, like it's not going to grow again. But if you maybe cut a piece of it off, it'll grow back. And that's sort of the same thing with seaweed. So it depends the way that process is treated. With that though, you bring up a really good point, which is every human interaction or intervention with the natural environment needs to be considered. And so Mm -hmm. for anybody to say that a single resource is the end all be all and it's just beautiful and perfect and there's no way to fuck anything up, it's just not, it's not realistic. And so we do need to be considering there's uh, a ton of research around the, the benefits of increased kelp harvesting and, and farming. And as Alex was saying, there's a number of ways of mm. doing that. Um, you don't want to be ripping up any ecosystems. You want sure. to have that be uh, beneficial. And, and if you are pulling that up, making sure that that's on a line and not uh, rooted into whatever local ecology that it is. But it is something that we do need to keep in mind. Like just because right now there are a lot of incentives to increase kelp cultivation doesn't mean we don't need to continue monitoring our oceans. Doesn't mean that we also don't need to be looking into other resources as well, which is why it's not just about 
uh, a single cure-all solution. And as I'm sure that you've talked to most other people on this podcast, uh, there's so many solutions that are required and incredibly yeah. amazing and necessary. Um, seaweed is used in a number of different industries, probably most well known for the applications in food, in cosmetics, um, mm. and also gotcha. in certain like wound dressings, so more of like the medical um, oh, okay. space. Um, but what we're really doing is using very similar products to them and using similar supply chains to them. And gotcha translating that into a different end product in a different industry. So let's get to how do you make this into a fabric, right? How do we go from ocean to uh, textile or ocean to fabric? Is that, is that actually, I mean, is it, is it done through like a lab, right? Like this, this is where sort of the biotech part comes in where we have the sort of the seaweed and we figure out a way to make it into fabric, right? Talk about that process and what that's like. Basically what we do and kind of how we think about our work is we are merely the connectors of existing supply chains. We have uh, seaweed and uh, seaweed extraction supply chain already existent. We have the textile and, and fiber manufacturing supply chain also very well established. So what we do is we create the right recipes, if you will, that allows mm. for this beautiful, incredible polymer to be used in as high of a content as possible within a fiber, while also being able to put it directly into this um, fiber infrastructure, fiber manufacturing infrastructure, while also removing those toxic chemicals. So the way that, and Alex, like maybe I should stop saying this, but the way I think about it is kind of like we're <laughs> we're like creating the cake mix, right? Like we mm. know the foundations gotcha. of that. We know what it needs to taste like. And our job is to create and perfect that recipe to make sure it's meeting those standards and it functions the way that we need it to. And from there, what really that's called in the industry is a is a dope. It's like a honey. And then it gets um, put into wet spinning manufacturing. We take out the things that make that really bad and toxic and endocrine disrupting and cancerous and all of that bad stuff Mm. so that everything that goes in and everything that comes out of that is non-toxic, biodegradable, better for the planet, etc. So inherently, we just want to make everyone's lives as simple and clean and easy as possible. Once it's made, it could be made into, does the end product or fabric is it more useful for like athletic wear or for like shoe fabric or like hats or I, I guess what I guess the equivalent like how like what would it take away from from a, you know the existing sort of textiles or fabrics on the market does it is there a comp to something that people would recognize like backpacks or something would that be a good one? <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting question because I think people often want like a want to see it in a big. <laughs> like one-to-one approach and with any material, if you're even looking at cotton and polyester, like they're never going to perform, look, feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And with the new material, it's the same thing. Like it's going to look slightly different. It's going to feel slightly different. It's going to perform slightly different. Um, and so uh, I think that's really important to highlight. Of course, we're creating something that that we are looking to our customers to, to verify that it is something that can work within the products they're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, we're making a yarn and we're working with our customers who are 
various brands and manufacturers to integrate it into their products. So they're buying the yarn and developing whatever they feel they need to out of it. Yeah. And I think one thing I, I kind of want to challenge on, uh, and in general, I feel like I want to kind of challenge the industry on this a bit, which is when we look at the future that we need to be living in. Uh, It is not one of replacement, but in my mind, it's one of expansion and diversification. So in order for us to actually, you know, have sustainable longevity as a planet and as business, we need to diversify the raw materials, the products, the agricultural or aquacultural systems that we're working within. And so particularly when you have this really strong dichotomy of uh, natural versus synthetic, and it's really mm-hmm. two end products, that's never going to be something that is able to be sustained. And so yeah. Our ambition and and what we're really seeing from other companies as well is, you know, for us, we're looking at naturals. That's, you know, the thing that feels and looks like home and it's really interesting and comforting in many ways, but doesn't have to be one or the other. I think cotton still can be done in heart or Uh, cultivated in positive ways, but that doesn't mean that seaweeds can't as well. And so when we look at naturals, we want to expand the market and not replicate what's currently not working. When y'all were thinking of like business models, was it always, hey, let's make the yarn or the, the recipe, so to speak, and sell that to existing brands and have them implement it in any way they can? Was there a thought of, hey, let's, you know, create this and create our own sort of, you know, one-off product and have this sort of vertical integration with everything we do. Talk a little bit about the current business model and, and maybe what what kind of decisions were made early on to kind of go, you know, this sort of B2B route. And when we were first starting, as a designer, especially then more so, that selfish want of just wanting to have your own and design it for yourself and just use it <laughs> yeah. for yourself felt really good. Yeah, that's that would uh, be tough for you, for you. yeah. But when we were looking at the goal, it wasn't about what do we want as people. It was for all designers and for all consumers, how do you how do we help people not have the same problem that we had? Mm-hmm. How do we help people actually have access to something that is better? And rather than, again, just increasing the amount of materials and the amount of production and the competition between uh, consumer products, let's help yeah. the people that already are doing it and that are doing a good job of it convert that system so that not only is that less of a hurdle for us, but you're, we're actually beginning to solve a problem versus maintaining the current systems. What I guess, what part of the timeline are we in right now? Is there sort of product being made, had like testing and you know working with with brands and actually creating something from this? Like, I guess where are we all, all in the in the keel timeline as of right now? Alex, you want to jump in? Uh, you know, so we've been at this for. A little over five years now and through our journey we've experienced covid we've experienced <laughs> moves we've experienced um you know like a bunch of successes that. and a bunch of challenges yeah. um, <laughs> and where we are today is um with our technology and our, our product development is it's just an amazing place to see like we would have never imagine this five years ago but um you know we have a product that we're super excited about and we're just starting a couple um small pilots with brands that we really trust and bet and um really want to work together with in in 
the long term. Um, we want to make sure that the people we're bringing on are not these short term projects, but mm-hmm. really long term, long thinking and very impactful. I'd like to kind of end with with each one of you kind of goals and successes, I, I guess, is it's tough because you, you, know, you could have certain things and then certain things happen, right? Like, I mean, COVID's obviously, hopefully, you know, a once in our lifetime sort of type of event. But I think goals and successes are sort of a, important to have. And, and Tessa, we'll start with, with you. When you look at maybe three to five years, almost the same timeline that you've, that you've had so far, what does that next three to five years look like for goals and successes for you and the team? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as, as you're saying, like, it's so both incredible and astonishing how quickly <laughs> time passes. <Yeah. laughs> and at the same time, I think, and, and I'm sure that Alex can agree with this, we're as impatient as the next person to get <laughs> our products out there. And, you know, what we really see as happening and, and really critical in these three, five years out, et cetera, is the impacts of scale um, mm. and ensuring that our products are out there in the world being used by existing brands and in the homes of people that are purchasing and, and living with these materials that are so critical. So if I had to say mm. what was what my dream outcome would be within this period, it would be to meet a stranger, have them, it sounds creepy at first, bear with yeah. me. Have them take me into their home and looking into their closet and asking them, you know, Mm. what the composition was and looking at the tags uh, within their clothing and having them be both surprised and delighted at how high of a percentage not only Kelson, our yarn made up of their clothing uh, and how they didn't have to think about making Mm. that change for themselves, but also how diversified that wardrobe really was. And I think to me, that's really the combination of both impact from a scale perspective, but also true, true sustainable change when it comes to business models and our societal interactions in that it's not on the consumer to have to search out work and try and fail to find a better solution. Everything that's being produced should be better and that's on the responsibilities of brands. And that's hopefully an easy win for everybody. I absolutely echo Tessa in terms of like impact and scale. It would be amazing, you know, three to five years from now to see how our product has entered the market, but also be a, a brand that's recognized beyond just our customers who are brands, but also your everyday person, um, knowing who we are and what we do and having trust in the products we deliver. But I will also say like all cards are on the table until they're not. And so um, it's hard to it's hard to know what exactly will happen in three to five years. And I think it's really important for me to also stay open-minded and for us to keep our, you know, eyes and ears open and respond to things as needed and yeah, see what comes of that. So Kelson will be will be on the tags. That's what we should look for in, oh, in a few years. You'll know okay. it though. It'll yeah. We'll be shouting from the rooftops, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Well, thank you both so much for, for taking the time. I know you're busy. You got a lot on your plate, you know, building something in a in a crazy, a crazy 
massive space that has so much room for, like we talked about earlier, we still could still have these organic cottons and these organic naturals that sort of live now within the ecosystem. And then there's enough enough space for these new innovative ways to look at these regenerative products to come in and kind of really add that less anxiety for consumers. Because I think that's what it comes down to is like consumers have all these different choices, overwhelming and there's all this anxiety. It's just like... Mm. If it's if they if you take that away right and you can team up with these brands at scale to where you don't even have to second guess it right you don't have, you don't have no longer have to even like look up fast fashion or look up like these brands that are detrimental to sort of the environment that you just know that this is sort of this is the foundation for everybody right this is this is the the industry that we're out now in is is this this is the baseline so hopefully that's what the point i want to get to in this well, sector so yeah i mean that's the way we need to go and and uh if it takes a different turn i think that we'll we'll address that in different ways when we get there but thank you so much i think you know having being able to have these conversations and knowing that people like you are also working in adjacent fields and we're all trying to make the world a better place definitely inspires me to continue working on this and i think is is really fueling for for all of us so thank you so much yeah absolutely 